Hi, and welcome to Standard Precautions and Beyond, Conversations in Infection Prevention and Control, a podcast from the Alabama Regional Center for Infection Prevention and Control Training and Technical Assistance Center, or ARC-IPC. My name is Elena Kidd, and I'm a program director at the University of Alabama at Birmingham's School of Public Health. Back in October 2021, the first cases of pediatric patients with severe hepatitis of unknown cause were identified in Alabama. Fast forward to June 3, 2022, the day of this podcast recording, and there are now 246 persons or children under 10 with hepatitis of unknown causes that are under investigation across 38 states and six deaths of children with hepatitis of unknown cause have occurred. A quick note for listeners, persons under investigation does not mean a confirmed case, and some cases may ultimately wind up not being linked to the current investigation, and not all of these are recent cases. Some are retrospective patients who have been ill weeks or months earlier. The increase in pediatric cases of hepatitis of unknown causes is not limited to the U.S. It's being seen globally. According to the World Health Organization, 650 probable cases of acute hepatitis of unknown cause in children have been reported to the World Health Organization from 33 countries between April 5th and May 26, 2022. Today, we welcome Dr. Wes Stubblefield, District Medical Officer for the Northern and Northeastern Public Health Districts at the Alabama Department of Public Health to discuss this recent outbreak of pediatric hepatitis. Dr. Stubblefield received his BS degree in biology from Lipscomb University in Nashville, his MD from the University of Alabama School of Medicine. He completed a residency in pediatrics at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital and is board certified by the American Board of Pediatrics. He also completed his MPH at the UAB School of Public Health. So first, welcome back and thank you so much for joining us. Of course. So for listeners who may not be familiar with the events that unfolded in Alabama in October 2021 and the months following, can you provide us a brief synopsis of what happened in regards to the pediatric hepatitis cases in Alabama? Absolutely. So in October of 2021, five children presented to one of our large children's hospitals that uh, with pediatric hepatitis. All of these children also were positive for adenovirus on viral screening tests. The Children's Hospital then contacted the CDC, who in turn contacted Alabama Department of Public Health. All of these children were um, had significant elevations of their liver enzymes, confirming the hepatitis. Um, and there was no other cause that was known at that time. Some of these children recovered without significant medical intervention. Others developed significant liver illness, even liver failure requiring transplantation. Um, they were all from different parts of the state and they did not have known contacts or common exposures. Epidemiologically, they weren't particularly linked to each other. They were all otherwise healthy children and at this point, all the children are recovering and no deaths were reported. After these five original cases in October of 2021, we have had seven additional cases that have been reported for a total now of 12 cases that are in, under investigation in Alabama. All of these other cases were reported to us after our notifications went out statewide to providers to be on the lookout for pediatric hepatitis of unknown etiology, particularly 
possibly associated with a concurrent adenovirus infection. So when you say um, unknown causes, so what does that mean? Is that significant or is that normal to have uh, cases of pediatric hepatitis of unknown causes? According to NASPAGAN, which is the National Association of Pediatric Hepatologists, Gastroenterologists, and Nutritionists, about 30% of pediatric hepatitis cases go without an etiology or, or are unknown. Sometimes these cases, an underlying cause is found, but as you can see, up to a third of the time, they don't have an etiology. And that's important because of how this unfolded. So how are cases or persons under investigation this time around different from pediatric cases of unknown causes in the past? Are these cases we're seeing um, more recently more severe? The children that presented for evaluation for hepatitis had significant hepatitis, some of them going on to have liver failure. I'm not sure what the underlying rate of severe hepatitis is in children or how severe children's hepatitis is. But for example, hepatitis A, a virus that causes viral hepatitis in children, is almost always self-recovers. So we know that in a very common cause of viral hepatitis, that that particular infection resolves without significant medical, medical intervention in most children. However, the reason for the hepatitis is also important in how severe the hepatitis is and what, it's, what is done to treatment, because there's so many different causes of, of hepatitis, both in adults and in children. So in February 2022, the Alabama Department of Public Health issued a Health Alert Network HAN notification. So what is a Health Alert Network notification? What does it do and, and what happened on a national scale since? So a Health Alert notification in our Health Alert Network is something that we release to update healthcare providers on emerging situations that um, are impacting public health in Alabama. This particular notification would go out to providers that are signed up for the Health Alert Network, potentially through the Board of Medical Examiners. It also goes out to our associations across the state, like the Medical Association, Family Practice Association, Pediatrics Associations, um, so that providers are aware of what's happening. Also, we, we sent out a second Health Alert no Network notification in April of 2022, along with a news release to the general public, which closely followed or closely preceded CDC's National Health Alert Network notification to alerting providers that we had seen this cluster of patients in Alabama and to be looking out for, particularly for, again, cases of, of hepatitis in children that do not have another etiology and particularly to be screening, uh, to be adding screening for adenovirus if they didn't already do so in their workup for these children. After that, many more cases were reported to CDC, and CDC has been tracking these cases um, through each individual state's public health department. We at ADPH are assisting with the epidemiologic investigation by recording our medical records that we received from the Children's Hospital into CDC's system so they can, they can verify if this unknown etiology may be related to adenovirus. So, like you said, the CDC is investigating and they're working with um, state and local health departments. What have they learned so far about the cause of these cases of hepatitis in children? What do they know? What do they not know? 
So according to the last information that I heard from CDC, they have not picked up a particularly large increase in screening in their screening protocols for patients presenting particularly to emergency departments with hepatitis. Um, they can do some of this screening nationwide and they haven't seen any particular spikes, although that was on a call from a few weeks ago. They don't know whether adenovirus is the cause, although it is the leading suspect. In Alabama, these children were co-infected with other viruses, although the only consistent co-infection was adenovirus. Uh, the children also were positive for things like um, Epstein-Barr virus, which causes mononucleosis, um, enteroviruses, uh, respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV. Importantly, none of these children had had recent COVID-19 infection, and none of them had concurrent COVID-19 infection. At this point, the leading hypothesis is that adenovirus is somehow triggering hepatitis. The other, what's, other thing that's not known is whether or not adenovirus is causing direct hepatic injury or if it's, if it's a, a secondary response, particularly from the immune system that's causing this. And that's why they're doing histopathologic studies on available liver, liver samples if the livers were sampled or if the children were transplanted to try to answer that question. If they find adenovirus in the liver, it would be very suggestive, although um, I'm not sure if any of those, those have, been, have been positive at this point. The other thing that's important is about COVID-19, um, and I know the CDC is requesting on any samples that have been saved on these children to go back and look for COVID-19 antibodies because these weren't always done on these patients. The, they, the, the workup was focused on the hepatitis, but hopefully through saved serum samples, they can go back and look for COVID-19, previous COVID-19 infections based on serology. And so I know there's a lot of different causes of hepatitis in children and people, but with this particular case, is there any association between these cases of hepatitis and the COVID-19 vaccine? None of the children in Alabama had received the COVID-19 vaccine. Importantly, the, these children were young. Uh, they were all the average age of around two. So they weren't eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine. Some of the children had been tested for COVID-19 in the past and were negative due to exposures. Um, but none of them had had confirmed infections previously or concurrently. Again, we don't know because we know that people can be minimally symptomatic and can develop antibodies. And that's why the antibody studies are important. And you're right, there are many causes of, of hepatitis in children. They generally break down into several categories. One is infectious. So we see um, in certain infections, we think about uh, the mononucleosis virus, cytomegalovirus or CMV, many other causes of pediatric hepatitis, hepatitis A, B, and C uh, can cause hepatitis in children. Um, all of these are different viruses that affect the bodies in different ways. There's also toxic exposures. Um, so for example, um, uh, acetaminophen or Tylenol can cause a very severe hepatitis if given in improper doses. Um, so that's one other way. A third category would be autoimmune causes. Some children have autoimmune disease that attacks the liver. And then finally, we think about metabolic causes or something underlying the, the patient's medical condition that makes them at risk for hepatitis. Um, and so some of these tests were done looking for autoimmune hepatitis, looking for metabolic causes of hepatitis, especially in the children that had severe outcomes leading to liver transplant. Other viruses were screened as well, like the common viral, we call it viral hepatitides. Uh, these tests were sent when these children presented, and um, 
and again, the only consistent finding on these children were the adenovirus. Um, and there doesn't seem to be anything else at this time, but that is still an ongoing investigation. Okay, so it sounds like there's no association between these cases of hepatitis and the COVID vaccine. What about the recent hepatitis A outbreak in strawberries or other childhood hepatitis vaccines? Any association between kind of those things and these cases? It's possible that these children could have picked up mononucleosis or the Epstein-Barr virus at some previous point, because we know that infection um, produces a long-lasting sort of hidden infection in the body. But again, the consistency is what made this concerning. As you may know, children are vaccinated routinely for the hepatitis B virus and the hepatitis A virus. Um, But there are no other hepatitis vaccines for children for the common viral infections. And so you you mentioned the the health alert network notification going out for healthcare providers. So what do healthcare providers need to know? What can they do to help with the investigation? So what's important is all of the children that presented to either emergency departments or to their doctor's offices had symptoms of hepatitis. Those symptoms would be things like dark urine, light colored stools, yellowing of the skin or eyes called jaundice, um, and potentially an an enlarged liver. Many of these children also had symptoms such as severe fatigue, um, gastrointestinal symptoms such as vomiting and diarrhea. And for for those listening to this that are not healthcare related, those symptoms would obviously be very concerning. But if a patient presents to a, a, so for example, a pediatrician's office, um, like I am, if I saw these cluster of symptoms, I would immediately be concerned about hepatitis. And what we want the healthcare providers to know is that it's important to potentially draw whole blood for um, hepatitis testing and specifically adenovirus testing uh, for viral load um, and to be in contact with both public health and with the children's hospitals to figure out next steps um, so the children can be stabilized and treated as appropriate. For the general public, we'd recommend that if you notice any of these symptoms in your children, particularly if they're very young, to, to of course, immediately take them for evaluation to their their doctor's office. Another thing that's unknown is if there were more children that did this that didn't develop severe symptoms so that they didn't present for evaluation because there were no obvious signs of hepatitis. That's always a possibility as well. And so like you mentioned earlier, hepatitis is a concern because it often originates from a virus or it can originate from a virus and is communicable. How can it spread from one children to others? How is it it transmitted? How can individuals protect themselves and their children from getting sick? Hepatitis, viruses that cause hepatitis can be transmitted in different ways. Um, Among the hepatitis A, B, and C viruses, they are um, transmitted all very differently. Hepatitis A, for example, is, is a that is a virus that's shed in the stool and is generally spread that way, um, potentially through toileting practices or diapering techniques. Adenovirus is interesting because it has many subtypes. The subtype that's suspected in these children is subtype 41, um, which has not in the past been associated with severe hepatitis in otherwise healthy children. It has been seen in immunocompromised children, particularly children that had undergone transplant, uh, liver transplant. So we, we know that adenovirus has the, the capability, but this is, this is unusual activity for this particular virus. 
Adenovirus, some of its types cause um, common infections like respiratory infections, potentially conjunctivitis or pink eye. Um, it can also cause vomiting and diarrhea, which is adenovirus 40 and 41. Um, it's, it's typical presentation. Um, so you can imagine that this virus can be shed in many ways, but particularly through, um, you know, for adenovirus 40 and 41, we are worried particularly about fecal shedding. So if children have a gastrointestinal illness, uh, per people, the public would do exactly what they would do anytime their children have a gastrointestinal illness, is to, is to perform good diapering technique, perform good hygiene practices on diapering surfaces, uh, toileting practices in older children, good hand washing. Adenovirus is a um, particularly hardy virus, meaning that it doesn't die very quickly on surfaces like things like the influenza virus does. So it um, does take a little bit more um, uh, work to get the, the virus itself off of surfaces. So that's, that's really the main thing when you think about spreading the, the uh, virus to other children or potentially adults. And, and of course, always underlying this is that children really need to be held out from activities when they're sick um, to make sure that they don't infect other children. There are many causes of viral gastroenteritis um, that are not adenovirus and happen daily to children all across Alabama and across the nation. And as a mother of a one-year-old, that is all good information to know. And so finally, where can parents or caregivers go for more information? So there are plenty of websites that explain uh, the information medically. Um, the best website in the U.S., of course, is the CDC. The CDC has published multiple articles on what's happening with the hepatitis outbreak, what's happening with investigations, keeping the public knowledgeable about the number of cases that are, that are under investigation, the number of states. Um, some information, of course, is private. Um, and, and in Alabama, these 12 cases, we have not released the location of the patients simply because of the rarity of this hepatitis. It would be not unreasonable to think that people could find out which patient it was using uh, social media or something like that. So we, we're, we're generally not talking about that for patient privacy reasons. And that's generally the case with CDC as well. Um, some, I think some parents have been interviewed for their experience with this on a voluntary basis. Reaching out to, looking at the CDC, of course, Alabama Department of Public Health at alabamapublichealth.gov. Um, we have information on our website. Uh, the WHO, or the World Health Organization, it has also information about the cases that are happening overseas that are, invest that are under investigation. Um, you know, in the, in the cases that are under investigation, not all of the children have adenovirus because in the case definition, which was really, which is really what the CDC health um, notification was about, was trying to identify children with unexplained hepatitis regardless of etiology so that they could figure out if, if the unexplained hepatitis was due to adenovirus. And so, so some of these children will have unexplained hepatitis simply because they have unexplained hepatitis unexplained hepatitis. Um, and that's why this investigation is ongoing. Well, thank you very much for being here. That is unfortunately all the time we have for today. And we want to thank Dr. Subafield for being here to share this valuable information about the recent pediatric hepatitis outbreak. So thank you to all of our listeners and please tune in next time for another episode of Standard Precautions and Beyond Conversations in Infection Prevention and Control. 